enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That is Tim. That is Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem launching a seven up in your nuts at the back of your video (laughs) store shelf. This week, as we continue Steve's the King, baby, movies based on the works of Stephen King from 1986. It's maximum overdrive. Tim, do you think that you could survive an eight-day machine takeover? Well, you know how I am with technology. I do. It already frightens you. Yeah. You're the so one in control. I'm, I am ready for this to happen. I'm excited for this to happen. Um, also, I don't know if I'm really that great with machines either. Like, you and I have worked in theater, and, and when you work in community theater, sometimes you have to, you know slum it and you know actually help build or take down some of the sets it's not all glory and curtain calls unfortunately and um i hate curtain calls too (laughs) yeah do you really oh god yeah (laughs) so i was one time uh drilling a piece of wood into another piece of wood for some purpose and the gentleman that happened to just be watching me at the at the moment that i was doing this actually owned and grew up with a construction company and he watched me struggling knowing that like screwing in a screw into wood with a power drill shouldn't be that much of an effort but it was taking everything that i had just leaning all of my (laughs) body weight into it pushing sweating shaking forcing that screw all the way in until it finally becomes flush with the wood surface and then immediately comes all the way back out (laughs) because I had the drill on reverse. (laughs) So that's, that's my level of expertise with power. Anything. Yeah. Um, Now on a more personal level, you can say (laughs) zip it. You got some uh, intimate machines you're pretty good with. Uh, yeah, look, if if your relationship... Could you give those up for eight days? No, no. <laughs> no, not eight hours. If, if you have not taken your relationship to the electrical stage yet, are you really even together? Do you really even love each other? I guess if you're going to go out anyway... I would predict that would be the way. Yeah, because, right, I mean, there could be uh, water or liquid of, of any kind, really, uh, around. And, and yeah, that's that spells danger with like, electricity. Just, like knowing what's going to happen, reluctantly pulling out that magic wand and just being like, I have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you do you are you saying magic wand? metaphorically or the actual one yeah yeah (laughs) the hitachi one yes as is yeah (laughs) copyright uh but yeah well i like the idea that you know how short of a distance it was between somebody being like oh thank you for this massager 
I wonder what else it can do (laughs) because that's what it was marketed as. But uh, yeah, that is a, that is a very, very special thing. Um, No. Yeah. That the hysteria era. uh, Right. Yes. Yeah. That's all they needed. Don't, you don't have to lock those ladies away. I mean, yeah. Um, So yeah, that, that, that's a different whole nother uh, thing. But as far as I think everything, would you survive? No. (laughs) Or, or let's just see what that thing can do. You know, like I, th- I try think and kill me. <laughs> Give it your best please, shot. Please. <laughs> he died smiling. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, d- is, is that grounds for a sequel? Um, <laughs> where just sex toys are affected? Uh, probably. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, if we're talking like just pure technology, uh, yes, I would be okay with that. And I'm not sitting here and saying that I don't use a phone or whatever, but um, but yeah, I I think that there are. Well, let me put it this way: literally a um, a uh, let's say a uh, professional in the field of psychology who I happen to know. Okay, I asked them the question uh, if they thought that our use of smartphones was going to create, you know, psychological problems for our society down the road. And she said that she will be thrilled that she will either be out of practice or dead (laughs) by the time this stuff really culminates because she's already seeing it. And she said it is going to be a tsunami of attachment disorders, lack of, of ability to maintain interpersonal relationships it is. It's coming. Mm. Um, I one time saw a quote with uh, Oliver Stone. It, he was, I think, he was just introducing a movie, but he somehow inserted the fact that he thought that cell phones were going to be the end of humanity. Right. It was like literally, like kind of like on Saturday Night Live, where like the host just introduces the band, like real quick. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was literally just like introducing like a scene coming up, but then just took that opportunity to say, "Make no mistake, these will be the end of us," and he held up a phone. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think there is a problem. I think that I don't think that human beings are meant to just sit in their houses and, and just have everything brought to them. The end of brick and mortar, um, the lack of interpersonal or kind of forced interpersonal communication is, is how can that not have an effect? We're, we're social creatures. Yeah. Uh, and you're still being social. You still be social. I, some would argue we're not really meant for anything. (laughs) Everything we do, we made up. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, We made you, as this film repeats several times. Yeah. Who made who? Right. And that is the... That's the deepest thing in this movie. Let me just say, and we'll cover it more when we actually get to that section, but if Stephen King went so far as to put in the worst bit of cinematic acting ever committed to celluloid... Just to match up with a theme song from his movie, <laughs> what a waste! But um, yeah, I uh, I think I would survive just fine. Other than I have not, as we've discussed in previous episodes, I have not yet uh, gained my survivalist skills that I wish that I had. So I better get pretty good with that stuff before we just shut down all the machines. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'd be. Hey, let's try like a month of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, like eight uh, days. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's stick with it. the eight days. So eight days without 
And that's what I thought was really interesting about this movie. It's not necessarily electronics. It's anything mechanical. Yeah, which is weird. Because the story is just cars. Cars, it's vehicles. That's it. And uh, it's not like a, a knife and a, an electronic. Yeah, no, yeah. none of that. The uh, there might be like a thing on the uh, well, the video game machines. Oh wait, you're saying the, the story. actual story yeah, 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 itself yeah. is just automobiles? Yes. Oh well, that's I think. I'm trying to. Uh, Nancy reread it after we watched this. I did not. I meant to, but my god, reading is so taxing. Uh, but I do. I feel like. It was just cars. There might have been the like, fuck you on on like a bank sign or something. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like knives are going crazy and cranks are turning themselves and shit like that. It was like just cars because the way it ends. Spoiler for the story is essentially them. There is a part in this movie where they're just fueling the trucks. And like, that's pretty much how the story ends where they're just out there fueling trucks. And the guy sees an airplane in the sky and he's like, I wish I could say that it had people in it. And that's kind of the, Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's fine. Eerie. Yeah. yeah. It's eerie. Okay. Story, Nancy said the story is way better than the movie, but that is not a high bar to clear. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Well, actually, I mean, yeah, because I have, I have a lot, but there, you and I have a lot of questions about this movie yeah. and a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, a quick apology to your mic was kind of hot at the beginning. Hopefully the, you know, when we do our fancy shit post post recording, it brings it down a little bit. I apologize if Tim blew everyone's ear out for uh, 10 seconds <laughs> or however long it was. Uh, okay. Uh, and I'm kind of getting over a cold. This is going to be some fun, good fun couple episodes that we're going to record today. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, this is Maximum Overdrive from 1986, written and directed by Stephen King. It stars Emilio Estevez, Pat Hingle, Laura Harrington, and Marla Maples. <laughs> uh, budget of $9 million, box office of 7 which is probably generous. Uh, let's do Nan some, and then we'll uh, get into some spoilers. The Earth is passing within the tail of a rogue comet, which is having some very unfortunate effects on the planet's surface. Machines of all kinds are jumping to life and taking out their homicidal tendencies on the human race. A small group of strangers is trapped inside a roadside gas station surrounded by murderous trucks, and they must all work together to save themselves by sailing maximum overdrive. A rogue comet. A rogue comet. Do you I, know what a rogue comet is? Is there such a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Because I That's would a think real that thing. they could kind of just go wherever they want to go, and it's really not our place to say. Well, the, normally they are hooked. Uh, it's it's something that has no like path. Like, oh, okay. It's not, it's not gravitational. Like the Halley's Comet right. goes around our sun. It just is a very long. It's 76 years. It's a real spitfire. Yeah. Not yeah. rogue. It's trapped. It's trapped in this elliptical rotation. Got it. Okay. A rogue comet's just like barreling along. Yeah. Devil may care. Right. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I I can't say this about rogue comets, but I would assume eventually they would get hooked into some sort of gravitational loop. I don't know. I didn't, ha- look that, I didn't look that deep into it. Hasn't been uh, a huge problem thus far. No. But it could be, I suppose. Uh, sure. And, they're rogue. They do whatever the fuck they and want. If it, and if it did happen, uh, who's to say what, what might come as a result? Right. Uh, yeah. Especially being trapped in the tail of one. Yes. 
Um, and is that possible? I, I always picture comets as being far smaller than our planet. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. So, yeah, it would have to be an enormous comet, like the size right. of Saturn, essentially. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we, we discussed this very briefly before we got on mic, but this movie is like a cynic's dream. It is. Like so dream. many. Yeah. yeah. And like you even said, you're like, you shouldn't even be allowed to be cynical because it's such a low hanging fruit type this, of movie. This movie is beneath you. It really is. As far as your <laughs> cynical powers. Right. Far beneath you. I haven't yeah. thought about this yet, but in order for the earth to be caught in the tail of that comet, it would have to have just missed getting hit by the comet, right? Because it's going, the comet's going straight. So here's the tail tailing behind it. As we get into its tail, we'd have to rotate into it. So it's, you know, imagine like a bullet in its trajectory. Yeah. But then you get into the post trajectory of that bullet. Okay. So you nearly missed that bullet. Yeah. How long is this tail of this comet? How slow is it going that it takes eight days to get by us? And are you going to bitch about it at that point? Because you could have been hit by it. Right. So what's there to complain about? <laughs> could have been worse. Exactly. Could have been a lot worse. Yeah, everyone seems very, like, taken aback this comet is here. I feel like we would have detected it a few days before, at least. I don't know. I don't well, know about rogue uh, comet detection. Well, what you do know a lot about is, or what anybody that is our age may know about, is uh, the big thing for us was Halley's Comet, right? Yeah. When that was kind of like, what, in the late 80s, uh, mid to late 80s, uh, early 90s? I want to say early 80s. Early? Uh, what? Nah. Maybe mid. I'll give you mid. All right. Look, we'll call it like uh, Haley's comment. Maybe uh, eighty six. Keep that. I'm gonna look it up. Eighty five. <laughs> uh oh, eighty six. You're okay. right. Damn, I thought I was a lot younger than that. So it was. It was this this comet, Haley's comet, was touted as like. I'm not even gonna get overly scientific with it, but just say a, a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't. That I could see. I mean, could we were supposed to be able to see the comet, weren't we? Yeah, you could. But it wasn't. I mean, was it that spectacular? Well, I don't know. Remember, I was 10. Have you ever seen the space station fly by? Uh, no, but you called me once. And you were like, dude, yeah. I saw something in the sky. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and I had to ask around. It was just colorful. Like it literally you're seeing like green and red and like white lights, like just flashing across the sky and it was enough to where i'm like well shit it's really happening isn't it <laughs> like this is it this is the end and uh yeah very freaky but Haley's comet i think i saw it and it very very much resembled a absolute like standing still star yeah yeah probably not not much yeah but uh, <sighs> well it's not there for your enjoyment tim <laughs> all right i guess so yeah <laughs> especially if it's rogue um, but yeah, so we get caught into a comet and I want to say real quickly, uh, first off, and I mean, there are going to be, if you're a fan of this podcast <laughs> and you're a fan specifically of the episodes that we rip on movies, like just buckle up, buckle up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I would have enjoyed a little bit more of some incorporation of this comet or 
another series of cast members that are maybe scientists that are tracking the comet. Maybe it's one guy, you know, that typical scientist that nobody believes. Right. You know, yeah. but he knows how dangerous it's going to be or something like that. Something- there's a whole, there's a, a new Adam McKay movie coming out starring Leonardo DiCaprio about that very thing. Well, oh, yeah, there you go. It's a good uh, idea. I don't remember what it's called. Don't look up. I think it's called. Where yes. it's him and Jennifer yes. Lawrence, and they're trying they to warn kinda... everyone of a comet that's going to hit the planet, and everyone's just very indifferent about it. I, yeah, the only thing that I has registered a real, me... real commentary on society. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, so, so I would have liked that. I mean, if if we felt like there was uh, like. If we were getting more of a scientific angle, like you and I have talked about a million times, where you don't have to give much, it's just enough to make... Nobody felt smarter about comets having seen this movie. That's no. the problem. And the other part... Also, pro- it's so yeah, it's so specific about how long we're going to be in the comet's tail, like down to the second. Yeah. Like, that's just... I get, like, the, like, idea behind that kind of accuracy... But it it means nothing, and it that wouldn't happen either. No. Well, yeah, that it's it's a huge issue, and because what we get is what you have to be concerned about with the siege movie is that the people who we're trapped with are interesting enough to watch for an hour and a half. Right. Now the mist handles it beautifully. Yeah, and there's a, all kinds of story arc there and and character arc to to satisfy that. But with this movie, um, you know, we're we're trapped where we are and uh, nobody is overly likable. Um, a couple people here and there, but but not really. Yeah. Um, coupled with the fact that uh, none of them are great actors. Right. Um, and, you know, that I hate to say that. Well, first of all, let's get this out of the way. And, and please write in about this if you are a, a, a native Spanish speaker. Is it Estevez? Or Estevez. We all say Estevez, don't we? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay, we'll go with Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's something likable about the guy. I, I, he, I, sure. I don't know if he's the greatest actor in the world. I, I, I know that he's he's not. Um, <laughs> not but the greatest, certainly. Not the greatest. No, but he's fine. He's, he's good. Fine. Yeah, there's something that you, you want to watch him. That's, yeah. that, that I've liked a lot of his projects. Yeah. This is like a rare, ew, Emilio Estevez work. Right. He's got a real gift for when he's being um, sincere or what I want to say, sympathetic towards somebody. It's, it reads as very true. Like even if like some of his scenes in Breakfast Club or whatever, um, like his sort of like I'm listening to you. Maybe I'm not the kind of person that is overly open with my emotions or whatever, but I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you like he plays that sympathy very nicely and it's yeah. very believable. Um, so I, I, he's a likable guy. Um, did you recognize the uh, character of, I believe her name is Brett, the, uh, the, his sort of counterpart? Oh, like the, uh, the actress. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she looked kind of familiar. She's the older sister in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, okay. I only saw that once. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there is that. Speaking of pieces of fiction we've (laughs) masturbated to. (laughs) Yes. And not not the mother character, by the way. I mean, mean, it's okay if you did. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, she happened to wander into. Well, she wouldn't have wandered into any scene. But yeah, if he never mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, this movie's full of people that I 
have seen in a lot of other stuff. Sure. Enjoy. I just I just started watching The Wire finally. Uh, oh God, I can't remember his name. Sorry, oh, the, the, the black the, guy. The, He's in it. The Giancarlo. <laughs> no, but yeah, there's another one. Yeah, yeah. Giancarlo Esposito's at the yes. very beginning of this. Like who just looks like a young kid. I know. And, who's and, now the villain in every property <laughs> available? <laughs> right. A very uh, exotic and pretty man. Um, and I always liked him as someone that you would love to hate in the criminally underseen movie uh, Fresh. There was it. it came out with it was in the kind of the slew of Boys in the Hood and Clockers and a lot of the sort of oh, okay. gang oriented. And he is awful and slimy and, and abusive and wonderful. Uh, I mean, as an actor, really great. Um, so, yeah, kind of fun to see him in there when the movie first starts. And I mean, let's uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about it. It's there's not much to the to the making of this. It was um, Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a, a three picture deal with with Stephen King and um, Stephen King's stuff prior, just prior to this, probably after The Shining wasn't quite the draw that it, it had been. Um, there wasn't as much excitement. So Dino, who's a bit of a, a gambler, um, said, well, maybe if you, the fans of your written work see that you're directing the movie, maybe that will kind of put them into the theaters and get some butts in the seats. So they they went with that idea of having Stephen King as the director, despite him having zero experience. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of the thought, like, hey, you write things that seem to lend themselves to, you know, a cinematic presentation. But it's troubled by the fact that Dino sends over an entirely Italian crew. Yeah. And with the misconception that one of the American crew members, one of the few, actually speaks Italian. <laughs> he based this on one of the Italian crew members saying something. And this other American crew member just saying, yes, yes, yes. He had no idea what the guy was saying. Right. But Dino's like, oh, well, then you speak Italian. Okay, great. So you be the translator to Stephen King, and, and this will all go great. Uh, so there was no translator. Wow. Um, and uh, just kind of everything writing on the fact that people will love it because Stephen King is not only writing, but directing. Right. That's a big problem. Also, <sighs> it's now so... This is where you come in. Did you read the story before you saw this movie? It was uh, Night Shift. Well, I mean, probably not. I, yeah, because I saw this movie probably when it came out on video. Okay. Uh, and then didn't read Night Shift until like early 90s, probably. So the big But question- it wasn't like I, you know, remembered a lot from it. I remember liking the story more. It's not impossible that a short story can offer up enough material to be a full length feature film. Right. Like uh, Q, uh, Stand By Me. Okay, a great representation of that. But I would imagine that it's a little bit bigger of a a task than taking a novel and turning it into a a full-length feature. So the real question is, is, was this even enough to start with? Well, yeah, it's like a 14-page story. I probably could have read it again. (laughs) I I thought today I could, and I I was like, I I just won't. But the point being that, if there's a, at least an outside chance that maybe there wasn't enough to work with to even start with. Right. No, like this story was a sense like this movie is pretty much the story. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing there. There's nothing there except Stephen King and his cocaine and beer. 
so much so that he's quoted as saying, I was coked out of my mind for the <laughs> yeah. entire production. He seemed to think that, like, he even, like, took one of his motorcycles and drove across the country from Maine to California. Um, just to Oh, yeah. See- just to get a feel yeah. for machines. Right. Which you don't really have to do that. <laughs> There's, yeah. Guess what? The plane you're flying in is also a machine. <laughs> right, exactly. But this is more about cars. I get it. There, but, is, there are a couple planes in this, though, that do nothing. One is playing Flight of the Valkyries, and then it cuts to the little boy. I forget the boy's name. I'm not, I don't remember any names from this movie. I yeah. don't care. I'm, like, mad because we were supposed to cover this last week, and I watched it then. <laughs> And now I had to rewatch it. I'm so mad. I had to watch this piece of shit twice right. in two weeks. I don't hold that against you, Tim. Uh, it's fine. And that's. <laughs> but there's like a scene where, like, the boy is watching this plane. But when it cuts to him, then like the flight of the Valkyries is softer. Is that like? Am I supposed to believe I'm hearing that playing from the cockpit of this closed plane? Like yeah. planes don't really have like sound systems like that. That would jam <laughs> Flight of the Valkyrie. Yeah, not or you'd be able to hear it at all over the roar of the double prop on this plane. At at very least, it better be a long flight. Uh <laughs> that's an inside joke for all of you Wagner fans out there. Uh <laughs> so, anyhow, yeah. No, that's uh that's a problem. And and the thing is, it, here's the, the biggest issue with this movie is even if you don't hold this up against all that the best that cinema has to offer, it should still resonate as uh, a fun, silly, ridiculous movie to watch, which maybe in the first like 10 minutes, it has a little bit of that. When the bank sign does say fuck you, like yeah. that's pretty funny. That's funny. And you're like, that's that's cool. So you yeah. got this, you know, digital readout and the, it goes from showing the the time and the temperature to saying fuck you. Like that's our kind of introduction to it. And that's funny. That's cool. We get that whole big uh drawbridge scene where there's all kinds of cars toppling over each other. It's a whole discussion in and of itself. Yeah. But that's all happening that's and that's directing issues, right? Right. There. But um, and then, of course, we'll just throw this out real quick if it if it comes up again. Um, And I loved how cute he was about it. Um, All of the music in this movie is done by ACDC. And Stephen King makes sure that, you know, that he is a fan by putting their name in the credits over a large whirring fan. Um, oh, yeah, it's oh and cute. it's their logo. Like it doesn't just say ACDC. It's like the logo <laughs> right. of the band. Yeah. So and and the funny thing is, is like that sort of anthem rock, like probably oh, dude, I didn't even pick that up. <laughs> it probably like plays into a, a cinematic experience pretty well. Like, I mean, it's it's not bad movie music um and it's recognizable it's kind of like one of the few tethers that this movie has where it's like well at least i've heard that song before. right yeah um I'm not so, a huge acdc fan though so i'm like this is all i get you're not a fan of their one song <laughs> oh come on no there actually are some they got, I, yeah they've got some good songs yeah, they that do. i are like that's a rocking song but i'm never like driving i'm putting on some acdc <laughs> Right, but I, ne- I wouldn't necessarily turn it off if it came on the radio. 
I, I and I will just throw it out there real quick if there are any ACDC fans out there. My favorite song is Live Wire, which is not one of their more better known songs, but is I think their best song. Oh, um, but uh, but not in the movie. No. So there's that, uh, which it actually would have been perfect for. But um, so where <laughs> I made a list, I made a list of. Um, and the list is entitled, uh, Why Does It Suck? <laughs> um, so we might as well just go through this real quick. I know that we, you know, we'll get to the plot. We'll get to some characters and stuff. But boy, is the writing horrendous. That is the most, that is the most immediate thing where it's like, God, it's not even well written. Yeah. It makes. Yeah. I, by the writer. I here's the thing. Let me just go ahead and throw this out there. I like Rob Zombie. We've we've established that. But I know that you're not the hugest fan. He makes Rob Zombie sound like goddamn Shakespeare, <laughs> and you know that I'm right. Like, uh, sure, it's yeah. awful. Sure. Even some of the like insults that people say, like don't nobody says that. Uh, yeah, there was one I had to go back and it. Oh no, this is a different movie. Never mind. It's the next movie we're covering. Someone calls someone like a, a ship shap or something. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Oh, no, I know, I know, yeah, I okay. know. All right, yeah, we'll talk, yeah, yeah we'll right. talk about that next episode. But, um, okay, so the writing is awful, and that's horrible because Stephen King is not a horrible writer. Right. We know that. Um, The scenes are just... But, but his dialogue in his books is the worst part of his writing. That's I'll true. say that. That is true. I have here, the scenes are butted up against each other, uh, almost as if it's a continuous string of skits as opposed to a uh, continuous narrative like that's really what it feels like 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 they filmed a two to three minute bit like oh that was funny knee slapper cut right. go on to the next one right what could a machine do here right what could a like drunk half drunk hillbilly say here <laughs> that isn't actually really even a joke it's just sort of them saying something and like oh my god it's like have you ever known somebody that and I think we brought this up before somebody who genuinely is not clever. Like they're not even, I mean, I, I like dad humor because right. it's got cleverness to it. Right. It's a play. It's a twist of words or a pun or something, but somebody who like says something that just doesn't have a funny bone in their body, right? but they just, all they have is a willingness to say it. That's <laughs> what, that's what this is. Like there's not even, it's not even jokes. It's just like people being frustrated. Yeah. In a rural setting, which there are a lot better examples on film of that. <laughs> um, the third thing is, okay, we've talked about this. Not enough intrigue with the comet slash. Well, we'll go ahead and say it. Not enough intrigue with the comet slash UFO, by the way. <laughs> right. Okay. Should we just. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Because at the end here, I'm going to read this title card because there's there is a title card at the beginning. Hold on. Did I delete it? I wrote it out. All right. Yeah, it's a whole thing about the comet. and So there's a title card at the beginning, pretty much setting up. There's a comet. It'll be in it for this amount of time. That's about it. Then at the end, there's another post-title uh, card. And here's what it says. Two days. At, so this is that they've escaped on a sailboat, which I'm pretty sure all are equipped with some sort of motor anyway. Uh, anyway, two days after, a large UFO was destroyed in space by a Russian weather satellite, weather satellite is in quotes, which happened to be equipped with a laser cannon and class four nuclear missiles. 
Approximately six days later, the Earth passed beyond the tail of Rhea M, exactly as predicted. So there's just this casual mention. Yeah. Am I supposed to believe the UFO is aliens? Because UFO does not mean aliens. A lot of people get hung up on that. Sure. It does not. Like when the Pentagon or whatever a couple years ago were like, yes, UFOs are real. People were like, I fucking knew it. And it's like, that just means unidentified. That It does not mean it's alien. Yeah. It's just we're not sure what that thing was. Someone had a unregistered drone, whatever. Right. It's unidentified. But yeah, in this, on a Russian weather satellite equipped with not only nuclear missiles, a laser cannon? Yeah. What's and, that tech? And we're not going to, yeah, we're not even going to bother to put quotes around laser cannon. Yeah, laser it's, cannon it's should be the assumption. Quotes. It's the assumption that you know what a laser cannon is, don't you? It's sure. A, yeah. They get, yeah, you won't like, believe that. That is this like thing. the G.I. Joe shit ever. Like, yeah. that was just like, yeah, G.I. Joe, they got tanks with laser cannons. Uh, we'll probably have those. Yeah. And the problem is, is that the fact that it inserts the the only mention of UFO, even if it isn't aliens, like you're saying, but the only mention of that comes in the title card after the film is over. Boy, does that reek of somebody saying, like, we fucked up. (laughs) This is not enough of a story here. And I don't know. Is that good or bad? Like, is it like, oh, the comet prevented us from first contact with an alien species or, hey, also the comet helped prevent an invasion from this alien species by blowing it up which is which i don't know right yeah i I, and you know yeah because you make a good point it's not to say that something that waits until the very end to be revealed is always wrong there's all there's something cool about that like even speaking of stephen king that whole like um what is it the sad story of yada yada blah 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 from uh um creep show oh uh yeah I don't yeah know. where he plays the guy that gets all covered with the vegetation yeah and oh yeah, okay. yeah 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 so it, it is kind of creepy when you have strange things happening and then at the very end it's like oh uh, you know it was discovered that a ufo was crossing over a ufo landed or a comet or something like that and it kind of is creepy like ooh, like right i saw all the i saw all the outcome of it but like that's what was really happening the whole time yeah There's nothing wrong with that this just feels sloppy, <laughs> right? Like maybe like is we that a tw- is that supposed to be a twist? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. It isn't, and I could not find any explanation to that. I tr- that's one of the things I was like, I'm going to find out what this means, and I couldn't find it. Here's the other big problem that I have. Um, this movie screams metaphor. It wants to be a metaphor for oh, something sure. so badly. Well, yeah, as we've said, it. Opens and closes. I don't know what the name of this song is. is the song called Who Made Who? It is. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the lyrics are just Who Made Who? Yeah. And we have your favorite acting in this movie, <laughs> our waitress, <laughs> who does this two times. Yes. That's the weird part. Twice flips out and is like, We made you. You can't do this. Yeah. Oh. Same reaction. So bad. In a sort of like body contortion that looks like it's aided by electrical shock. Yeah. It's like Muppet arm flailing. Yeah. It is like if you asked an actor to do the worst acting that they've ever seen before and just like as a bit, like as a joke, it's that I'm not, I'm, we're not exaggerating. It's that laughable and horrendous. Yeah. It's awful. 
Um, and the thing is, I don't even necessarily hate that waitress or that actress or whatever. No. Like, she's not great. No, just but that bit. My God. But here's the problem. And it's one of it's also on the list here that, that just the acting is horrendous. And that is uh, a one time somebody once said to me, a director once said to me that that the the job of a director is to serve as a mirror to kind of show the actor on stage like this is how this is coming off, what you're doing, the choices that you're making. This is how it reads. So I'm going to just I'm not going to tell you what to do. Right. I'm not going to walk you through it and do a line reading, but I'm going to I'm going to show you what the whole picture is looking like. And feeling like from the audience. And if you don't have anybody with any sort of directorial or and here's the funny thing. I don't even mind Stephen King as an actor. Like he's goofy. He's silly. Right. He, he has these little cameos in his movies and it's fun. And he has some sort of weird screen presence, probably just because he's Stephen King. Uh, yeah. But but still, he's Those not glasses. He's not awful. I mean, it's no. goofy and funny. Yeah, it's bits funny. He's but, at the very beginning. Yeah. And the ATM calls him an asshole. Hey, come on over here, sugar buns. <laughs> she called me an asshole. So he's not like horror. He's not like without any sort of screen presence at all, I suppose. But um, obviously not not directed by somebody who was any any bit of educated in, in acting whatsoever. No. And everyone in this is kind of green. Like, it, you know, in retrospect, it's crazy. Like. Because no Emilio Estevez is in this. And then I was looking at his career, and it's just that kids, let me tell you, the older you get, the faster time goes. Because, like, the last 10 years compared to, like, 1980 to 1990, like, that is forever. Yes. Like, this movie came out a year after The Breakfast Club. I'm like, I'm sorry, wait. He wasn't like, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like he had not done... He'd been in a couple good movies and hits, but, like, all the shit I know him from, like... Uh, men at work, young guns, uh, mighty ducks, yeah. like all that comes later. But I'm like, I'm like, surely he was like a big actor at the, at this time, but no, he wasn't. I mean, he was like known and, you know, obviously got work. And was yeah. In some very popular movies. Dino Brad Packer. Yeah. Dino just put him into the movie because he had worked with, uh, uh, his dad on the dead zone. Oh, yeah, so the the dead zone was, right. par, the, was part of that three that's picture right. deal. So they knew Martin Sheen. So they're like, let's put Marty's kid in it. Like literally, that's the quote. Do you know right? who Stephen King wanted to cast in? Yeah, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. And yeah. I read, I saw that at when <laughs> Dino was like, "Who's that?" <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Then like that's kind of when Stephen King, like when he didn't get his guy, was like, ah, "Fuck this movie." Right. Not into it anymore. Interestingly enough, though, it's not that uh, acting talent isn't uh, completely unfounded in the spring scene uh, no. bloodline. No. Pamela, his sister, plays um, the killer, the main killer in uh, Sleepaway Camp. Yes. Two. Let's please not confuse Unhappy the campers. Two. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So but, unhappy but, viewers. Just re- <laughs> just real quick. I want to say on that metaphor thing, though. I was thinking about, I mean, we've already covered the technology thing. That's sort of the easy one that you could go after. The one that I was looking at was because there is a moment in the movie where the uh, one of your favorite actors in the film, the uh, unmanned Jeep yeah, uh, with the machine gun mounted on it, is doing uh, Morse code. And it's saying that it needs to be fueled up. So I was thinking that because... Just because you're addicted to something and you're doing it a lot doesn't mean that you necessarily like it. You might be fully aware of your addiction, which there it's, you know, highly uh, covered and 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 
you know, established that Stephen King was, you know, just balls deep into his cocaine and beer addiction at this time. Yeah. And so I was thinking to myself, maybe it's a metaphor for um, just uh, addiction that, that you need to keep being fueled and that we, you know, we're the ones that bought the drugs. We're the ones that we make the drugs and we buy the drugs. Uh, but then when you get addicted, the drugs start controlling you yeah. or at least your, your brain does. So um, I thought, okay, well maybe that's kind of a cool metaphor yeah, like for is. substance abuse. Like that's, that's something. But then you see Stephen King in an interview <laughs> from 1986 saying it is quote unquote, a moron movie. Yeah. That, I will give him credit there because he's not like a guy who was like, no, no, I stand by this work. He was like, yeah, I sucked at this. And this movie's garbage. Well, he eventually got there. Well, I'm sure. Well, yeah. While he's promoting, because yes, the tra- let's talk about the trailer for this movie, <laughs> which is just audacity with a bow on it. Because it's not even like there are clips from the movie, but it's not like your normal trailer where it's like. Uh, here's a voiceover of the story, and here's some clips of the movie. It's literally Stephen King going like, no one does my shit right, and I'm doing it this time. And guess what? I liked it. Hi. My name is Stephen King. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Yeah, like I'm finally bringing you my twisted visage correctly. That shining shit. Fuck it. We got the green goblin on a truck. Meanwhile, there is like a crime scene outline of his body in cocaine (laughs) just off screen. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's I mean, and I'm glad that you brought it up because in the interview that I watched with him talking about this movie, which was horrible, just on many levels, um, he is asked the direct question that is, is this the best adaptation of your work ever? He smartly avoids that question entirely by answering, saying that the one thing that he can say about it is that um, that nobody can contact him and say they ruined your book. Like basically right. what he's admitting to is no one else directed this movie but me. Right. He's not really talk, speaking to quality, good, bad. He's just saying, yes, I directed it. <laughs> so, I mean, he kind of, you know, skirted that one. But um, yeah, so it, it's just rife for for a metaphor but it doesn't deliver. And like you said, I'm okay with that too. How many times have you and I said that, you know, things don't need to be as convoluted as, as movies might make them. Yeah. Like, make it simple. Let us enjoy it. Yeah. But the problem is like you and I were talking about a little bit earlier. I fell asleep a great many times while oh, watching God. this. None of which. How can we have an accurate conversation about it then? <laughs> because when I woke up, I realized that I hadn't missed a thing. <laughs> Literally, I, I some I think so. I went back and, and rewatched the parts stretches that I had missed. Yeah. This morning. And uh, yeah, I didn't miss any mainly just trucks circling a building. It was either trucks circling the building or people inside the diner um, kind of just talking about. Um, oh, gosh. What were they ta- probably talking about the trucks that were circling the building outside? Like that was <laughs> right. It. Either the trucks are circling the building or somebody's referencing the truck circling the building. Yeah. And if you fall asleep, it's fine. Totally fine. The only development is that, you know, they they find a, a way to kind of get out through the, you know, a sewage 
system, you know, underneath the uh, the uh, the ground of the, the building. But here's the thing. I'm not saying there was any saving this movie, but in the beginning when they were a little bit more about look at all the different machines that can be affected. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Like when we get a drawbridge and then we get the infamous pop machine. <laughs> right. Which apparently has a very delayed effect on its injuries. Like you get hit with a pop can in the head. Give it four or five minutes. Then it'll be an open bleeding wound with your right. possibly your brain exposed. Just unlucky for that guy to be by a pop machine that had some sort of like pneumatic launching system. Like, yeah, that's all. Like, here's one of the things that bugged me about this movie. The machines do things they couldn't normally do. Right. And it's not like because we're preventing it. They're just not built to be able to do that. Like a pop machine. You press the button and it just falls, like because of gravity. Maybe like, there's it nothing could fall pushing, faster. It's like pushing that pop can out. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, but you're now right. all of a sudden it's like, like what's it using to launch the aluminum cans out of itself? All it could do is like increase the speed at which the mechanism that holds the can in place is withdrawn. Right. So, but I mean, does the can really fall faster based on? No. Like, <laughs> Absolutely not. (laughs) So you're right. Like a lot of things are just suspension of disbelief. And however, I will say this for the beginning part of this film, because even this sort of fades, there are some kills that the kill itself might not be unexpected, but like the severity of the kill is unexpected. Yeah. When we see one in particular, yeah, a (laughs) preteen, Little League baseball player get pancaked <laughs> by a goddamn steamroller yeah. that's driving like at like 40 miles an hour. Yes. Like you don't know steamrollers can go this fast. Yeah. Like that's menacing. That's cool. That's what this movie was missing. They were like, it's just and I like the original story is called trucks. Maybe that's what his mind was, where he was just like, it's just all going to pretty much be trucks. Right. But all these trucks are boring and do nothing. There is one that has a green goblin face on it for whatever reason they did that, just so it looked evil. Yeah, essentially, but it's a toy truck. Uh, like they're all—all all the other trucks are just nondescript. Yes, you mentioned earlier one of my favorite characters is the machine gun truck because it like kind of has personality. Like it rolls up with this bulldozer, and I'm like, but that's with 20 minutes left to go in the fucking movie. These two vehicles show up, and it's like. It's like that cartoon thing. Like you've got the muscle guy and then the machine gun guy, even though the machine gun is uh, far more lethal to humans than the bulldozer, I guess you can outrun the bulldozer, get out of the way at least, you know, but it's kind of like that, you know, your old cartoons like, hey, what are we doing today, boss? You know, like the big muscle dog and then the little yappy dog, like these two guys just kind of patrolling around, like looking for trouble almost. Well, did you watch this with the closed captions? I did, but did I pay that close attention to the closed captions? I don't know. Well, when it comes to your little machine gun Jeep, you ought to have. Because oh. at one point when the machine gun is done firing out, it's just like barrage of just attack on the diner. And it is that like, last guy who gets blown away, though, oh. rules. Because well, not only has the thing <laughs> been firing in there for like 
40 seconds. He still is just standing there. It just gets shredded in the chest. But True. a great like. Yeah, he, he does the vibration. Yeah, yeah, the the body shake. Yeah, he does it good. When it fires its last bullet, the closed captioning oh, says, I'm sorry, reads growls <laughs> that the the gun itself growls. Yeah, you can hear it growl. I've heard the growl. <laughs> But but do they normally? No, I mean, no. absolutely not. Yeah. No, no. That's like I issue. said, these things start taking on things they cannot do. Right. And the other thing is, is that okay? Let's. I think we're getting somewhere. Why make it a siege movie? Right. If if there's machines going off left and right, give me what's going on at that neighbor's house, or turn it into a Halloween thing in a neighborhood, like. Take me into a neighborhood where it can be what happens at this house. And then that's different than what happens at this house. Because isn't that so much more engaging when the kid is running away from the lawnmower in like a suburban setting? Yeah. Like that's creepy because, yeah. you know, you're all not- the bits with the kid are interesting. Also, right. he's one of the best actors in the movie. Right. Yeah. Sadly. But yeah. yes, he's uh, pretty much the only interesting person. He's the only interesting human. Those yeah. are my three favorite characters. <laughs> Those right. two vehicles and that kid. Yeah, and it, and it's. I think it could have been better served. Or or or. Okay, let me just just blow everybody's mind. If you're going to make it a siege movie, and if you're going to have it be pretty much primarily just automobiles, why not have it be a bunch of hillbillies in an infield at a, like an indie track? Right, like that at least makes sense. You know, yeah. There's not a lot of other machines around. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I mean, you know, you could focus on the cars, and that would kind of make sense. Um, but yeah, there's. It, it it limits itself in making it a siege movie. It would have been better expanded. And speaking of, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention what happened with the lawnmower. <laughs> right. Because one of the Italian crew members was uh, up. It's now the second most tragic <laughs> DP, right. DP accident. <laughs> right. Um, so this, uh, this director of photography, the cinematographer, um, was struck in the eye by a piece of wood that was flung by the lawnmower yeah. and it struck him. They were the using eye. it to like wedge it. So it couldn't move. Right. And they, yeah, I, I saw they were all like, let's take these blades out. Stephen King's like, no, no, gotta have the blades in it. Love to see the blades, which, which I you can't see. Seeing you cannot blades. see them at all. Right. Yeah. It was the bad choice. And it takes the the guy ended up losing his eye and it's his shooting eye. Yeah. Like that's it was his right eye. The one that he uses to lean into the camera um, to to look through the lens for his livelihood. Right. Which he went on to, you know, continue. And I'm sure he probably did pretty well in the settlement. Um, I think he asked for 18 million and it was settled out of court. So he probably did. I don't know if he did much work because, yeah, he was like, who's going to hire a director of photography with no depth perception? Even if he got 10 million dollars, I'm sure he'd rather have his other eye. Right. Yeah. You know, so that was a little irresponsible. I have a pool now. (laughs) Speaking of. uh, Yeah. Who's going to hire a cinematographer that shows up with an eye patch? (laughs) Right. Like That's that's not good. Um but when there was discussion of Stephen King and how drug addled he was throughout production, surprisingly, a lot of the actors say that they didn't really see it. Like they, they thought he was very nice. They thought he was very friendly. Um, I'm sure talkative, 
But uh, yeah, the thing was is that they did say that it really isn't even so much the cocaine use; it was just the rampant beer consumption. That, that I mean, if they would start shooting in the morning and the beers would start getting cracked <laughs> at like six a.m. and by like they said by like you know eight a.m. he's already into his tenth beer, <laughs> like. God. Yeah, I mean, just that was his whole thing. And I remember reading that in his book on writing where he very freely admits to this, that it was just um, for a guy that could afford any alcohol in the world. It was just cocaine and Coors Light. Yeah. One right after another. Easy drinking. Yeah. You know, which is what you want. When, if you're on if you're high on speed, you don't want a complicated like palate challenging, <laughs> you know, thick stout. Yeah. Dragon's milk. <laughs> Right. Bishop's finger. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just want you want that easy drinking barley water. Yeah. And uh yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened. And it shows. Um see his like some of his directing in this, like that whole bridge scene, I guess that's a lot of editing too. I don't know who edited this, but like that whole the whole opening bridge scene is so chaotic, there's no I don't really have a good sense of where any car is, yeah. where the bridge is at, like because immediately the guy on the bike like falls, like slides down the bridge, but then after that, other people are just like getting out of their cars and like you know not even sliding it, just kind of like falling, right? Uh, you know, it's just like cars toppling upon cars that have already toppled, and then you finally at the end get this weird shot of like that melon truck like finally tipping over it's so odd it's so chaotic and insane yeah it reminds that's where marla maples is in i mentioned her at the beginning she's in the car that gets hit by a melon it kind of former yes. president ex-wife marla maples reminds me of a radiohead performance i saw on snl once where they had kind of changed things up and gone a little bit more electronic with their uh their sound and uh, I remember towards the end of the song, like, I mean, it was it was kind of far out music for the time anyway, uh, or like it, something kind of new, felt new. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, the song is building and it's thematic and everything. And, and you can tell it's the end of the song. And like Tom York does that big, like, jump up, legs back, you know, land on the stage for the final note. But then, you know, he he leaps up, he lands, and then it's like. Dun, dun. <laughs> like like totally hit it too early like there's way more music to come and that's what it felt like with this where like yeah it's cool to see cars topple on each other but why are they still doing that right you know it, it, yeah there's it was, a guy caught in the middle of it like that guy that's not happening to where it's raised him so high his tires aren't touching anymore now he's like oh shit i better do something about this yes like, well and it's not get the, out of the car it's not the only sort of like, I don't know, uh, unbelievable automobile action within an accident. Like there's the ice cream truck, which actually um, plays King of the Road is actually the song that the ice cream truck oh. is playing. Um, but when they shoot the ice cream truck, apparently they happen to shoot it at some part of the two lane highway where there was just a ramp in the middle of the road. Because <laughs> right. when it explodes, it just immediately like goes off of a ramp. It was supposed to go, they had a, a beam of wood that went from end to end. So it was supposed to explode, and then that beam would sort of hit the ground and make the vehicle go end over end. But it didn't happen. It just kept sliding on its roof, <laughs> and it was the dolly grip 
that had to grab the cameraman and yank him out of the way before he got immediately killed by this thing, which um, they actually credited that grip by inserting his name um, into uh, onto one of the time cards where we get a close up of oh, the names. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, I mean, the guy's got a cool name as it is. Gene pool is his name. <laughs> so, Come on. I mean, if you were absolutely, his name is Gene pool, P O O L E. Oh my God. So he gets, those are funny parents. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's kind of fun, but yeah, all in all, here's the thing. It's, Man, I don't even remember that happening to that truck. Yeah, it just kind of everything goes in this off. movie is carrying some sort of explosive cargo. Yeah, like when they shoot the back of that high life truck, like I get it's alcohol, but that's not reacting that way. No, there's a great shot that when he first when the the guy, uh, I think that's Pat Hingle, who would go on to play Commissioner Gordon in uh, oh, Tim Burton's right, Batman. That's, right, that's yes. how you know him. Eckhart, sir. Anyway, uh, he uh, he's got like a whole arsenal down in the basement, and he brings out this rocket launcher, and he shoots one of the trucks. The first truck, it's like, what a weird bad effect. It's not even an effect because he like shoots it. And then we cut to our you know three people who duck to get out of the way of the rocket, and it hits the truck, but you see no rocket traveling. Like no. They just drop, and then the truck explodes. Yes. Like they didn't even attempt to make it look like a rocket traveled toward this truck. Because he was, I don't know, he was like, I got to get this wide shot. This wide shot's way more important than the continuity of a rocket traveling to the sh- to the truck. Yeah, it was like the Pentagon footage from 9-11. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> But anyway, um, no, let me just implying there is footage, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's it. you're right, and there and it happens a lot. There's even God. There's the scene where they the trucks blow up the the gas station. Yeah, and and I will say, as a set, like apparently it was so convincing that trucks were actually pulling in there to fuel <laughs> up. Um, but it was just a set. And they blow up the gas station. And okay, yes, there are gas pumps there. Those might also explode. But the initial, like, the big blow up of the building itself is really lackluster. It's like a couple sparkles. And then, um, but yet, despite the fact that it's, it's lackluster, it does level the building. After the building is leveled, some guy in the group just says, boy, that sucker's really going up, isn't it? And it's like, going up? Like it, it's uh, there's nothing to be on fire like it's flat, but that's that's just, you know, you, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. It's it, it's sad to me that there's nothing to hang on to. You and I have covered a million movies where there's like a character or, uh, you know, interesting, you know, uh, story arc or something like that. But there's nothing to cling to in this movie no. to, to keep you tethered to you know the experience or watching it or caring about it um yeah most of the characters are annoying other than likable right like yearly smith unfortunately is so obnoxious in oh this. she'd go on to be lisa simpson but holy crap and i'm sure she was supposed to be like annoying but man she takes it to a whole new level she does it well but super annoying uh i hate her boyfriend i just hate like pretty much yes. everyone in this movie right and even some of the like Oh my god, she she has this yell that she does constantly and it's it's just 
grating as all get out. And like, it's kind of funny the first couple of times, but then it's just awful. And even at the end when they're like, you know, Stephen King is trying to throw in one more little laugh bit while they're driving away on the boat and they don't even get the phrase right. She's like, you're going to make me wolf my cookies. <laughs> wolf my cookies. Like, wolf my cookies. That sounds like it's a Stephen King line right there. Toss my cookies. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just wolf awful. Wolf my cookies. And, <laughs> right. And and it's just, and the one thing that you and I usually pick on pretty early, if, if it's a problem, and it is, uh, lots of ADR in this. Oh, yeah. A whole lot. Um, so that's an issue. That I wasn't. Yeah, that. Like at that point, I was just like, whatever. Yeah, the least of our problems. Here's like, also like, what really took me out of this, because I I do kind of like the concept and I do like that kind of metaphor about we create machines, but they really kind of control our lives. That's fine, but with the machines within this movie, like I don't understand. There's no limits. So like the so at the end of the movie, right? or towards the end of the movie, just all these trucks are pulling up. Cause it's like, we're going to now use you humans to refuel us. A, why are the trucks driving around? Conserve your fuel. Where do you have to go? Right. Why do you need to use it? Great point. So then there's, so there's a part where he's like, we're out of fuel. And so a fuel truck pulls up and Emilio Estevez puts the hose in the ground. Right. But then the, the, the the uh, was that a crank? What, what yeah. is the 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 spout? What's the fucking Spigot? word? Yeah, I guess the little wheel that you turn yeah. that opens a spigot turns by itself. Right. So I'm like, well, if that can work, why can't you turn an axle by yourself? Why do you need fuel? Right. To- if if oh. that can work on itself, good. Why are bikes going crazy? Good point. Yeah, I know. anything that has a mechanism, right? Like, right. is it just is it electronics or is it simple machines? Like, are levers and pulleys going off by themselves? Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah. And then there's like, there seems to be no. Uh, are the cars like looking out for each other? Because one of the trucks just like smashes into a car wouldn't that car be like what the fuck's your deal dude yeah like what did i do and it dumps garbage on it like we get it to the bible salesman which i'm sure stephen king was like ha fuck you bible salesman right but the car as a character he'd be like what did i do why would you do that like there's one where there's a plane in a bus yes like in the top of a bus right bus like what? Leave me alone. Right. If you're feeling suicidal, crash into a tree. Right. Exactly. That's or like true. a VW bug. Like there's a guy hanging out of it. And I'm like, did, was the bug like, I'm taking this guy out. I got to run myself into a tree and inca- in- in- incapacitate myself. Right. Just in order to kill this guy. Yeah. It just, yeah, it, it makes no sense. And and speaking of making no sense, you mentioned the, uh, the refueling and the refueling montage which so, is what it's it is so over dramatic it's yeah it's so dramatic and it's like okay we understand 80s montages like but there's a reason for the montage there's a beginning and like an end result that we're going like we're fixing up the house <laughs> right yeah you know we're painting the house we're yeah, gonna fix the neighborhood right exactly but how is just watching people pump gas fun yeah how is that like a stretch of you know 
three or four minutes in a movie is an eternity. <laughs> what are we looking at? And they act like filling gas in these trucks is the most taxing, exhausting activity. It's not, yes. like, it's not like they're walking from truck to truck. The trucks are pulling up. Right. You just got to stand there. I don't know if the trucks can open their own cap or if you have to do it. Right. Uh, but then you just fuel it. <laughs> but they're like collapsing on themselves. Like, uh, but I don't get the idea. Like they've been out there for days. It's like a five hour shift. And what makes Stephen King think that this is engaging to what any of us are putting gas in our car. We feel like life is just passing us by. Like you feel like the world is paused <laughs> right. when you're filling up your car with gas because there's nothing happening. Right. Why not make it a, a musical montage in a film and force people to watch that for four or five minutes? That it's, girl's like, I hope they choke on it. Like, right. You're not that tired. Right. And there are people that do that job for a living or used to, <laughs> right. you know, um, in Oregon, they still do. I think it's all self-serve there still. Or full serve. Oh, sorry. For, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I um, mean, the last time I was there, it was because I got out and this guy's coming out. He's like, you don't do that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know what to do with this situation. You tip him a couple bucks? I, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. But I'm like, what's the appropriate tip to a fucking full service gas station yeah. guy? I don't know. I don't know. A couple, three, four bucks, <laughs> two, three. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I have no idea. Um. But yeah, either way, it doesn't warrant a place in a, a full-length feature film. Um, yeah, there's, uh, you know me, I'm I'm the eternal optimist. I, I like to find something to to hang on to, but there's there's just nothing. I was really really excited, knowing how much I like crappy things. Yeah, to watch this movie because I know there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, some cult excitement around this sure. movie. And yeah, um, you're like, I'm sure there's some eighty eighties cheese in yeah. here. But no, no, it's just sort of, yeah. I mean, it's not even like any sort of, yeah, it's not much of a time capsule um, or or anything. It's just boring. Yeah. A lot of it's very boring. Um, and uh, do I do I think that there is an interesting movie to be made about machines suddenly like doing their thing? Yeah, I do. Because I will tell you this, like when the when the drawbridge scene happens, Sometimes it's the simplest of things, but seeing a little button depressed by itself or a little switch turned by itself, yeah. there is something a little creepy about that. Like, yeah. It looks kind of cool. Um, you again, get a little. How is that button pressing? Why does the button need to press when there is no just... mechanical mechanism? <laughs> right. Other it's than relying on force. physics of force of you making this connection. If it can just do that, just do that. I guess. I mean, yes, there's a part not... of me where I'm like it makes sense as i'm watching it because i know a button needs to be pushed or i don't know shoot off some missiles why is it not shooting off like nuclear right weapons? well they were saving them for the ufos <sighs> must be what shot the ufo the missile or the laser cannon that's what i want to know <laughs> right just a smorgasbord of russian technology just like is the happening. laser cannon supposed to be like the guidance system I feel like I feel like it's the missile that does the damage. It's the laser cannon that just puts a little like panache on it, like right. a little just kind of shining them on a little bit. Like fuck you with just the to laser. give you that warning. You get the dot on the middle of your forehead <laughs> right. before you get hit by a missile. It's just like pissing in the snow, like writing your name <laughs> in the snow. <laughs> That's what they use the laser cannon for. Yeah, is it heat? Is it light? I'm I'm fascinated by this weather satellite. 
It's an older movie. Have we come up with laser cannons yet? Is that a reality now? No, I don't. No, feel like not at all. No, no. <laughs> My God, I feel I before we started this, actually, just as soon as I was watching this movie, I thought to myself, this might be the shortest episode we've ever done. Well, yeah, it could be because I'm ready to wrap it up. <laughs> Where are we at right now? Like an hour and ten. Not oh, even I, an hour and ten. I, I feel good, but yeah, I feel good. We, yeah, we pushed it. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm just let me be the first to say it because I so rarely do. I do not recommend this movie. <laughs> I don't. No. How could you? Is there? Okay, I've heard of a person who I won't <laughs> mention. I'll who, say yeah, someone I am close to physically because yeah. they live next door. <laughs> Has said this. They love this movie because <laughs> not I love uh, scenes X, Y, and Z. I love Emilio Estevez. No, I love this movie because it was the first one I saw on Laserdisc. Right, and, and so it has like a monumental occasion built around it. Well, there's sort of like an existential, like kind of uh, interesting sort of clause in there where. Unbeknownst to her, it was one of the first movies that she wa- watched on Laserdisc, also among the last. <laughs> right. <laughs> Any movie. Yeah, how long is that list? <laughs> yeah, right. It's not long at all because it's Laserdisc. Yeah, so it was one of the first yeah. and last. Yeah. Now, the benefit of watching this on Laserdisc is at some point during this movie, it stopped itself. Yes. The movie. And either relied on you to flip it. Or there were some Laserdisc players that would flip themselves. Ooh. Yeah. My dad had one of those. Re- uh, oh, I grew really? up privileged to Wow. Tim. Yeah. Wow. Self-flipping. Um, I mean, it didn't really flip it. It was just a laser on top as well. I don't know. When I The thing the, that always spooked me about Laserdiscs was they just seemed like the most fragile thing on the planet. They were so huge. They were so big. But they looked so delicate. That I just I I was better off. Well, because we were familiar with CDs, and you fuck a CD up at all, and it's ruined. Right. So it's like, but if I accidentally nick any part of this now, you know, my movie. But at least you can hand like a CD is small enough to where you can palm it. You can do things True. with it. A laser disc feels like it should have had like a like a velvet like rope around it at all times. Like just don't handle this thing. Yeah, you can't pinch it with like your finger in the middle and then your thumb on the edge. Right. Yeah. Like no. you had to carry it like yes. a like a pe- like a hot pizza. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, whatever. It's far more enjoyable than this. Movie, oh yeah. Regardless of far what pizza enjoyable. company it is. All right. Fuck this movie. That was uh, Maximum Overdrive from 1986. Uh, please join us next week as we continue uh, Steve's the King Baby with this 1989 film adaptation. Oh, that was a good voice crack. Pet Cemetery, The OG, not the remake. Yeah, 89, yeah. Uh, so that's coming up next week. Uh, please check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, big thanks to our patrons. You help make this show possible. Uh, stay tuned. That commentary track is coming, patrons. <laughs> it's going to become a bit. Any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come. Uh, please also you know, shoot us a review uh, wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcast is good. A lot of our people listen through Apple and Spotify. So, uh, you know, give us five stars because we said so. Uh, yeah, that's it, Tim. Uh, do you got anything else to say about Maximum Overdrive? 
The only thing that comes to mind is that, and I'm always happy to hear it, there is uh, the usage of fuckface in this movie. Oh, they do a fuckface? Emilio busts out a fuckface. Oh, I missed the fuckface. Yeah, well, it's you should probably watch it again. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope, I won't. You're like, no, fuckface. <laughs> As the ATM says, you're an asshole. <laughs> or I meant okay, the time sugar attempt. Fuck you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.